Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode 58, recorded on February 12th, 2020. The Cloud Pod is faster on Azure. Oh, sorry, AWS. Good evening, Jonathan. How's it going? It's going well. I'm seriously looking forward to the weekend, though. Oh yeah, it's been a it's been a long one for sure. Uh, lots of uh, many hour meetings uh, about different things, and so it's been a, a bit a bit trying of a week. But uh, I'm now uh, off to beautiful Los Angeles for fun activities over the weekend, which is great. I thought you sounded distant today. Yeah, a little distant. Yeah. Uh, well, you know who's really distant? Peter. And uh, Peter is still, of course, on vacation somewhere in Asia. Hopefully not with coronavirus. But we have a fantastic guest for us tonight. Uh, welcome, uh, Ryan Lucas, back to the show. Yay. Hi, Ryan. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Have you been uh, staying uh, up to date on what's going on here at the Cloud Pod? We had uh, Ian McKay on last week, and we had a couple other friend- friendly guests, but uh, we always do miss you here. Well, I can't say that I'm up to date on the Cloud Pod, which is sort of an embarrassing admission. But uh, thanks to the newsletter, I actually am up to speed on topics, which I really appreciate. It's pretty awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a uh, new newsletter you can find on the website. Uh, we have some fantastic uh, show note writers over at Podreacher who are helping us out and uh, are doing a much better job than I ever did on the show notes before. So I do appreciate their support and help. We just added emojis to the newsletter like last week. I saw they, that. That's cool. Yeah, they, uh, they sent me a note. They're like, hey, do you, uh, do you think uh, you'd like emojis? I gave you two versions. And I'm like, oh, you had me an emoji. Yeah. Like, just like, come on, seriously. <laughs> like, it's not even, not even a question. Can you ask him to just send the uh, send the summary over like before we record the show? Because then we can just use the notes; it'd be a whole lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be, definitely be a lot easier if we could just use use their notes. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Well, it is uh, of course another week in cloud, and that means there's quite a bit to get through. Uh, and the first one is an update to uh, the Amazon RDS TLS uh, Certificates of Doom. So if uh, you've been frantically rushing out there to get your certificates up to date, uh, Amazon has realized that forcing customers to do things is bad. And so they have now given you the at maximum time to fix this issue. So uh, instead of pre-staging uh, certificates starting on February 5th or 3rd, whatever the date was, uh, they will now not do that until the 5th of March when the certificate expires and they will reboot your host for you to uh, make sure that you are now in compliance. Uh, before, if you had rebooted an RDS instance or you had manually changed it, uh, it would take the new certificate authority, which may be problematic for your application. So. Basically, apparently, based on uh, feedback from customers, they have backed off that forcing function and now allow you to wait until the bitter end to get those certificates updated. Oh, and rightfully so, too, because we have change processes for a reason, especially in production. And honestly, they got no business messing with my production RDS servers, even if it is going to prevent an outage in the future. <laughs> I mean, it's it's within the maintenance window, and it's you know this is an SSL cert that's expiring, and this is this really is last moment for things. And- I do have to admit, I'm starting to, at, in my, my daily life, I'm starting to look a little like the, the guy with the sandwich board going, the end is near with the bell. Because I, I just know that what's going to happen is that March 5th is going to come around and just bite everyone. Just because I just don't see the, I don't see the uproar, I don't see the moves, and I don't see the velocity of deployments that's really going to like update this stuff. And so it's, just, it's sort of scary what's going to happen. Time to get start getting out these uh, reminder grams out there. Like, hey, hey, you only have X number of days left to get this done. Another sad news, or positive, depending on how you look at it, uh, Arvind Krishna has apparently been named as the new CEO of IBM, replacing Juni Rometty. Uh, and the Red Hat CEO, Jim Whitehurst, is now be- being named to president. Uh, and this all happened on the 30th of January. There will be a six-month transmission period or so uh, before Jenny sits down, and he will take over fully on the 6th of April. Apparently, Krishna, Arvind Krishna was uh, driving the acquisition of Red Hat, and there was rumor that the Red Hat CEO, Jim, would actually be this, made the CEO of the combined company. But apparently the board uh, realized that no one could run IBM but an insider, because uh, that's, a, that's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> the outgoing CEO uh, said that by choosing Krishna and Whitehurst, the board chose a technically and business-savvy team to lead the company moving forward. Uh, and Ray Wang, founder and principal analyst at Constellation Research, said, it's an inside-out mo- outside model. To truly understand IBM, you have to come from the inside like Krishna. But to truly innovate, you need someone on the outside like Whitehurst. And that CEO-president model is helping. So uh, yeah, a little bit interesting. And that was a pretty big acquisition. This kind of caught me by surprise because I, I hadn't heard any rumors about uh, this change going to be happening. Yeah, but their, their financials have been horrendous for a long time. I'm not surprised. It, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm surprised it hadn't happened sooner. 
There was actually an interesting article here, uh, IBM's Lost Decade, uh, by Charles Fitzgerald. He's apparently a, a blogger who's been following IBM for a long time. Uh, and he actually apparently suggested in uh, 2013 that the, that IBM wouldn't make the cloud transition, which is pretty interesting uh, and very prescient <laughs> uh, prediction there. Uh, you know, he points out that Romedy's reign included a 28% decline or nearly $30 billion in reduced revenue uh, or $6.5 billion in net income and a 95% billion in market capitalization drop. Uh, he does point out that it's not all her fault. She did inherit a terrible hand from Sam Palomisano, uh, who was a person who turned it in from a, from a technology company into a financial engineering company uh, and has outsourced a ton of jobs, uh, over 200,000 to India. So uh, her consulting mindset from global services and, and that financial engineering has really been a bad turn for IBM in, in the past. And so we'll see if these investments in Krishna and Whitehurst will pay off and move them in the right direction in the cloud space finally. Financial engineering makes it sound like you know they're just really good at squeezing money out of customers, but you know the the performance of the company doesn't actually make that seem true. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it you know definitely feels like they were playing some snakes, uh, you know, some mm. uh, smoke and mirrors on that, and uh, no one really caught them on the street. But yeah, it, it's interesting how much IBM has really lost favor, and even the last ten years, five years, you know. You know, there was that old saying, you know, no one got fired for buying IBM. I, I think people do get fired for buying IBM now. So. Yeah. I think my favorite thing about the whole article that he wrote, though, was that it, it was the last decade, but it only happened in, uh, what, six years, eight years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, IBM's biggest mistake is no one knows what they do anymore. You ask around, are they a technology company or are they, you know, a financial company? Like, no, they make Watson. That's that's what they do now. Like, they, they just really don't have much of a purpose out there. And so it's it's sort of confusing, and it's not gonna it's not gonna drive enthusiasm to buy their products. That's for sure. Well, I really don't know who uses Watson solutions, right? It's really not a full product. It's it's only sort of a product, um, and I assume it is always a way to get into other other professional services revenues with them. Yeah, I always saw that as a more of a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. Hey, Watson can beat you at chess, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So can so am I can my laptop and my yeah. iPhone and every other device because I'm not good and at chess. And my six year old son. <laughs> uh, well, hope, hopefully we'll keep an eye on IBM. You know they're going to be the biggest player in Gen Two Cloud, as you know, as we know we talked about in the past. So we'll see how they how they do. Well, it's my favorite time of the quarter. It's earnings season. Uh, so first up this week, uh, Microsoft has uh, reported a 36.9 billion uh, in Q2 revenue. Uh, they reported that Azure was up 62%, the Microsoft Surface line was up 6%, and LinkedIn was up 24%, uh, which is pretty impressive for LinkedIn, considering I don't know what they actually sell other than my data to all of everyone else. Uh, but overall, Azure was up 62%, uh, which is up from 59% in Q1. So that is a, a slight rebound from a, what they consider to be slowing cloud growth uh, in Q1. So uh, they seem to be on the right path and doing quite well. But of course, they don't break out their revenues on the cloud, uh, really. So it's really hard to say exactly what that is. But... Uh, our next revenue uh, earnings was from Google, and Google did uh, break out their Google Cloud spend. Uh, now, this is Google Cloud plus G Suite, uh, but they removed other revenues like YouTube and much other stuff that used to be in this cloud uh, line item. And the uh, cl- Google Cloud revenues apparently increased uh, to $2.61 billion for the quarter, a 53% increase from the prior uh, quarter a year ago. Uh, but overall, Google did not do so well, or Alphabet, as they're really called. Uh, analysts were disappointed with results uh, and had impacted them in their share price over the last uh, few days now since this announced. Uh, Pichai did comment that they have doubled the number of deals with $15 million or more on GCP, and they are getting increasingly larger deals as they continue on the path. Uh, cloud and other revenues totaled $7.88 billion and uh, far below analysts' $8.65 billion consensus prediction. So, yeah, again, analysts bad at their job, as we talk about every year. <laughs> now, I know Microsoft have always been a forward-thinking company, but how are they in Q2 of 2020 already? Uh, they are on a, their quarter is off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, tell me about it. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a financial <laughs> trick you do. So like a, a lot of um, retailers will actually make uh, Q1 be their Q4, and that way they don't have the last quarter of the year be the best quarter of their fin- financial fiscal year. And so there's, there's all kinds of tricks that companies do uh, that makes it really difficult to write crystal reports for. <laughs> Coming from experience. As long as it doesn't have to do with time zones, crystal reports is great. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. All the all the built in all the built in quarter stuff doesn't work when you have off off balance quarter setup. Huh. Uh, but you know, one thing that I thought was interesting with this Google Alphabet and earnings was that uh, YouTube made four point seven two billion, <laughs> while Google Cloud only made two point six one billion. So uh, you know, just keep investing in that YouTube thing. <laughs> it seems to be doing quite well, 
And and how much? I mean, I don't know how much that costs to run that service, but man, that's a lot of money. That is. It must be a lot of money because I swear to God, if they interrupt my videos with one more advertisement, like it is crazy. <laughs> like <laughs> they must be monetizing the crap out of that service. Pay pay them the fifteen dollars a month to make the ads go away. It's the best thing. You have, best thing. That's I've what I do. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm so cheap. You have no idea. There's no way. <sighs> uh, it, like actually, down to the point that I've had it so long now that when I go on my kid's iPad or something else that doesn't have it, and I see an ad, I I don't know what that is. I'm like, what is yeah. this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the other the other reason I'm making a bunch of money is because they 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 change the rules constantly, and they used to give. People with with basically one subscriber. If if you had thousands, tens of thousands of views, you used to get ad revenue. But now you don't. You don't get ad revenue until you've got a bunch of subscribers. I'm not sure if it's a thousand or more. But if if until you have this critical mass, you don't get anything. So they're still advertising on your on your videos, but you just don't get anything until you've got subscribers. Which I think it really is really uh, kind of a crappy way of organizing the platform. Well, it's, I mean, I'm sure the system's been gamed. I mean, there's so many. You know how many. How many videos have I seen where it's like this hard marketing push for like and subscribe and it's it's basically half the content of the thing. And so like I'm sure the system is being completely gamed. Yeah, and that's why a lot of videos they they pad with, you know, hey guys, you know, we're just here to tell you about this because they got to pad it out to like eight or nine minutes because if it's less than that, then you get a proportionate, significantly lower share of the ad revenue. But I mean, they they Google bought YouTube for $1.6 billion 10 years ago. So that's that was a pretty good investment. That was a great investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, there was an interesting quote here in this article. Uh, Holger Mueller, analyst at Constellation Research, said, likely the cloud numbers look good enough for 2019 to be broken out and certainly show good traction. But the cloud unit needs to grow faster than YouTube to show its irrelevance for Google overall. And then Google Cloud needs to catch up with the fellow stalwarts AWS and Azure. Cloud is an economies of scale business that Google needs to scale up on. So, yeah. Interesting. I, I would hope to see that you know enterprises are spending millions of dollars and making more money than YouTube for Google. That'd be nice. Yeah. I mean, what, what they should do is migrate their own uh, operations to their own cloud and then just count that as revenue for the cloud. They, they'll blow everything else out of the water. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> And our final one is Amazon has crossed $1 trillion, uh, in market cap after they crushed the holiday quarter with $87.4 billion in revenue. Uh, their revenue overall was up 21% uh, from a year ago. And Alex said only $86.15 billion again because they're bad at their jobs. Uh, and uh, total revenue for 2019 <laughs> spiked 20% to $280.5 billion for uh, all of 2019. Uh, they did talk about uh, AWS spend. AWS was up 34% uh, to $9.95 billion for the quarter. So if you compare that to Google, who just basically crossed uh, $10 billion for the year, <laughs> they're still only a quarter of the size of AWS in terms of revenue. Uh, so they have quite a bit of ways to go. Uh, unfortunately, that is still a decline in the growth percentage of AWS, and so uh, analysts were a little bit concerned about that. Uh, but the stock overall, based on those holiday sales, uh, did just quite, uh, did quite well. Uh, and they did report that they now have almost 800,000 employees, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah, I was, I'm really happy, that, especially with all the criticism they've had recently about how they pay. I mean, even just a few days ago, I, I saw news articles about how they're only paying a million dollars in tax on the revenue. So I was really happy to see the, uh, the the public statement they made about their federal tax bill this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, they actually announced in the blog post that they re- released their tax returns uh, for 2019. Basically said that they paid uh, federal taxes of about a billion dollars in addition to $2 billion in uh, other types of federal taxes as well as several billion dollars in local uh, state and local government taxes and plus $9 billion in sales and duty taxes. So they are paying uh, some taxes. Uh, the one analyst did point out, though, that uh, $1 billion on their revenue is only about 6%. <laughs> uh, when it's $14.5 billion in operating income, $1 billion is only that 6%, which is uh, pretty low compared to what I pay in taxes. I don't know about you yeah. guys, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, we're an economy built on top of taxing individuals, not companies. So I, mm, I like it. The thing is they they sell things. The sales tax they collect on that, it must be on, on their sales must be phenomenal, and that's that's all revenue that – they, that the government wouldn't get if they weren't if they didn't exist, right? Well, I mean, you would assume that other other online entities would exist, or uh, you know, you go to Best Buy and you'd buy the same stuff there, and or Barnes and Noble or whatever, and you'd be paying sales tax through that process as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. The question you the question you have to ask is: Does Amazon make it? So that consumers buy more because it's easier. Yes, and I think that's probably a yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> from personal experience, <laughs> if I don't have to put on pants to acquire a thing, I'm going to buy more things. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I did most of my holiday shopping on Amazon because I just hate going in the crowds to the shops and lining up for half an hour when I can just have it delivered to the door. That's 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 fair enough. But I, mean, I think the subscribe and save thing and, and even Amazon Pantry is really um, – it's it's so easy to use and it's so easy to 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 forget about some of those things and I I admit that I still have you know like baby shampoo from Johnson Johnson on uh, mass in my bathroom because I forgot to cancel that subscription and it arrived month after month so <laughs> at some point people <laughs> I, will realize I, I have a similar story to that because I, uh, I there was this company that did uh, furnace filters for your, your furnaces. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, for some reason they felt that I should replace the furnace filter every quarter or every, every other month. And so I had like six of them and I was like, why do I, like, this is good enough for like six years now. I don't, I don't need this many filters. (laughs) I had to cancel cancel that. (laughs) I have this image of just like going over to your house and opening the door and shoving filters out of the way. It was a good idea. Like I like the concept of it, but I'm like, I at most you'll get me to change that filter every six months. Every every other month would be is crazy town. Uh, unless I unless I had a super allergic son to something. I just wait for the the uh, the hardware store coupons to, to arrive. I'm like, hey, it's your birthday. Save yeah, so save, I, save uh, this much money. So like I just, I just go and buy like a year supply from like Ace Hardware or whatever. Yeah, so I, I unfortunately have a sort of uh, a non-standard size that they don't sell at Ace Hardware, and so I have to go to Home Depot or Lowe's, and that's all the way across town from where I live, and <laughs> I don't want to drive. <laughs> all the way across, <laughs> all the way across town is like three miles. <laughs> hey, it's it takes it takes forever. It's so so far. That is a lot of. I solve this. That's a lot of stuff. You guys are fools. Like they sell things for lots of money that will just zap the particles right out of the air. It does not take a filter ever. It's fantastic. It makes a horrifying noise when it does it. But uh, other than that, it's great. Yeah. It's basically a bug zapper for your, for your furnace. I don't it's know. kind of like a bug zapper in your house all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I hope that I also have a, a large pile of Dollar Shave Club uh, razors in my drawer, too. So, yeah, I apparently have a problem, and it's okay. Hey everyone, Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the cloud pod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008, they are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. www.fogops.io slash the cloud pod. Foghorn, the promise of cloud delivered. Uh, Moving on to uh, other Amazon things. Uh, So last week we actually talked about Amazon releasing uh, multi-port support for their client VPN. We thought that was a little bit strange. Uh, considering they only added one port, uh, which was the default port for OpenVPN to their configuration. Uh, but apparently it might be related to this announcement, which is that they have released a new desktop client uh, for the AWS client VPN. Uh, previously, you had to use your own uh, OpenVPN-based client, and there's literally hundreds of them out there, I think. Uh, and that would allow you to come to AWS or on-premise network. Uh, but now you can use the AWS native client on Windows or Mac, uh, and it does support MFA, uh, user password via Active Directory, and... Uh, integration with other SAML type providers. Uh, after you establish the client to establish a VPN connect- connection, the desktop or laptop is officially part of the re- configured VPC and can access resources as allowed by the authorization rules of the VPC. So that's a nice if you wanted a native client, I guess. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that it wasn't an open source tool that they released that, that had the support for uh, MFA because it would have been great for the, for the open VPN community to have had a client that supported um, you know, two-factor authentication because it's been missing for, for a long time. So I'm kind of disappointed about that, um, but this is kind of cool. I, I've already got the feature request in for a Linux uh, client just to troll Amazon because they didn't do it at release time. At this point, like with, with Linux desktops, you sort of have to be like, come on, guys. Like, I know, I know that there's like me and like 12 other guys, literally dozens of us. With these, you know, who need this Linux it's a, thing? It's but a dozen, dozens of you, dozens. <laughs> but like, don't ignore it. 
there should be no reason. Well, and there are there are use cases where you may want to have a client VPN on a Linux server to connect back to a VPC. And so I, I mean, I could see some use cases. I mean, it's not a common use case, but I could yeah. see some potential use cases that would require that Linux client. I mean, on one side, I can argue, like, I get it. It, it doesn't make the MVP cut because, like, you look at your user base and you do math. But on yeah. the other hand, it's like, well, it's probably not that big of a deal to support it either. So, like, why not, you know, like, why not just do that extra, like, little bit and get that extra inclusive inclusivity? Yeah. I, I think they're forgetting that, I mean, this is obviously a market of people who want to connect to their, v, their, their VPC and do stuff manually. But I, I think there's more use cases than that for the client VPN, and eventually we'll, we'll see um, machines VPNing into VPCs remotely to to call home or do whatever else. So I'm I think once once people start building solutions that use the client VPN, then then Linux support will follow pretty soon. I'm nodding my head like you guys can see that in yeah. podcast land. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, down. it's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really appreciate that. Nodding head like 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 the, the dog kind of in the, the dashboard of the car kind of thing. Like yep. I was I was actually reading an article I was reading an article earlier today on my flight and uh, they were talking about uh, Amazon's considering uh, making the Twitch streaming service basically something they would resell through aws at some point so you could actually have your own like switch rate and i was like well we could have the cloud pod streaming network like it all be on video and i was like no no i'm okay yeah think that through <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know I worked, I worked it out i worked it out <laughs> uh, that's all rumor so we didn't we didn't talk about that on the show but when that gets announced we'll talk about that for sure because <laughs> that'd be kind of cool maybe in video at the time we'll see <laughs> uh, I got a mug I got to cut that bit out now cut <laughs> cut the twitch stuff <laughs> no I mean like, you can talk you can leave it in the show yeah. <laughs> it just it was, an, it was an article and it was it was speculation it wasn't real news I have editorial standards Jonathan I know you do mm-hmm. I know you do mm-hmm. yeah just your guest hosts have a face for radio so you gotta be careful <laughs> I have the, I have the great face for radio I, I've got the voice for you know uh, mimes as well, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I try not to be offended when all the sponsors say, "Hey, can we have Jonathan read the ad?" Oh, yes. really? It's fine. It's, fine. <laughs> it's it's the accent. Can't can't go wrong with the <clears> accent. Hard, hard. I, I do need to re-record some of these things because I I just because of the schedule, I, I usually end up recording these things at like two o'clock in the morning, and I'm tired and whatever else. And uh, and I, I sometimes listen back to them. And I'm like, wow, God, I sound so downbeat about this whole thing i need to kind of get a bit more pumped up and re-record some of this stuff so i i you know it's gonna get better uh actually that reminds me that we should have talked about uh the new interview show that you should put in the beginning of that show uh, but we did release the first episode of our bonus episodes uh, our interview with mike kelly from uh Bindplane to uh, talk to us all about logging and monitoring and, and kind of what they're doing uh, to help make that simpler so that's a check that out in the feed uh after we get a few episodes in we might split into a separate rss feed as well but uh, that's out there for people to listen to. Excellent. Well, moving on to Azure. I have Azure news, guys. Finally, after weeks, weeks, uh, partially because I found this other RSS feed that had like much less important announcements, which I then was open to lightning around. But uh, there was a few stories that uh, made the cut for the main show here. So the uh, first one is uh, this feature: Azure Backup now supports selective disk backup and restore using the Azure Virtual Machine Backup solution. Uh, so apparently, prior to this, Azure only supported the ability to backup all disks in a VM using the Virtual Machine Manager. Uh, but now, with the new exclude disk functionality, you can get an option to backup one or two, uh, one or few, or of uh, many disks in your VM. Uh, this is a great solution for a situation where your critical data to be backed up is only on one disk, and you don't need to backup the others to reduce your costs. And you have a different backup solution as part of your VM data, and you only want your VM level backup for specific use cases. So. Uh, this is a nice feature, I guess, that they probably should have had a while ago. Yeah, this, this is this is kind of cool. Um, in fact, Amazon just just a few weeks ago released the um, the whole VM image, uh, the whole VM snapshot tool, which lets you capture the state of all the volumes at a single point in time, which is great. I remember, I, you know, the, the database maintenance video the other day. I ended up snapshotting a whole database server once it was powered down, and I. I should have actually unchecked some of the drives because it's just pointless, useless data. It was just, um, it took forever. So this, uh, I imagine this is, um, this is going to save a lot of people a lot of time sitting on, uh, you know, maintenance calls and things late at night. Yeah, most of my newer deployments, I'm shifting the data I care about to a specific place and either moving that around or, or you know, shipping it off somewhere else. And so this makes a lot of sense because there's a ton of, you know, OS logs and OS stuff that you really don't care, you know, like if it goes away. So this is fantastic. Yeah. 
Uh, do either of you remember when uh, Giga Om was a news website? Yes, do that? I do. Uh, apparently now they're an independent research firm. Uh, and apparently they have released a new study uh, basically indicating that SQL on Azure is faster and cheaper uh, than AWS. Uh, the Azure goes on to say that there is now over a million on-premise SQL Server databases in the world uh, that have moved to Azure, representing a massive shift in where customers are collecting, storing, and analyzing their data. And according to this article from GigaOM, uh, you can get up to 3.4 times faster performance and up to 87% less expensive than using Amazon EC2. Uh, they used Azure UltraDisk uh, for their throughput and got up to 80,000 IOPS for a single disk, maxing out the virtual machine throughput limit and well exceeding the capability of PIOPS, according to this article. And Azure points out that the price performance is superior to AWS due to Azure Blob Cache, which provides free reads uh, by their caching tier. Configuration system used in the test uh, is a, a comparison of the standard E64S underscore V3, ooh, it just rolls off the tongue, for Azure, uh, and an R416X large uh, on Amazon EC2. Uh, they both had uh, equivalent number amounts of RAM, 432 for Azure and 488 for uh, AWS, uh, and they used SSD disk on both cases. Uh, but in the storage one, they use, they use EBS provisioned IOPS disks uh, and UltraDisk. And they tested Microsoft SQL Server 2017. So that is the test. And then in the uh, the case of the higher throughput disk, they use this one and a half terabyte T uh, UltraDisk and uh, one and a half terabyte IO uh, on the PIOPS side. So there you go. That's uh, that's the story. What do you guys think? Uh, so I'm going to call immediate uh, bull. Okay. On the PIOPS. It kind of seems like uh, marketing. Uh, well, no, they're, they're, say, they're saying that Azure can go way well beyond the maximum number of PIOPS that AWS supports. That's what they're implying. I, yeah, I don't think so. Well, uh, either does AWS. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they said not so fast. AWS, of course, says they're committed to providing objective, transparent, and replicable benchmarking data so you can make an informed decision on where to run your SQL Server. Uh, Amazon's own tests show that their their performance is 1.75 times better uh, and up to 40% cheaper than Azure. And they pointed out that uh, the test that GigaOM used uses a proprietary benchmark tool called the TCP-E, which uses the Microsoft's proprietary benchmarking capabilities. Uh, And they also pointed out there are numerous inaccurate comparisons due to mismatches in the configuration. Uh, Azure, for example, used uh, four Stripe disks for Azure, but did not apply any striping to AWS. Uh, the benchmark uses the older R4 instance, ignoring the newer AWS hardware, including the R5D, which includes a 3.6 terabytes of local NVMe storage uh, and much faster CPUs. And the MS costing does not include the cost of Windows Server licenses or the software assurance required for the Azure hybrid benefit. <laughs> it does not take into account similar programs Amazon provides, like the MAP program. Mm. Uh, Amazon used a publicly available uh, com- benchmark, the TPC-C HammerDB benchmark, uh, and that's how they got to that 1.75 times better performance and 40% cheaper. And Amazon Web Services encourages you to look for replicable research and benchmark using your own workloads to help you verify which provider offers the best price, performance, and reliability. So take that, Azure. It's sort of a mic drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so all you vendors out there, if you are going to pay a third party to do a performance uh, assessment on your product versus Amazon's product, uh, make sure that... Uh, it's, it's actually true, because uh, Amazon will call you out. <laughs> yeah. Now, all this makes me want to do is go go test it, right? Like, I can't like I can't trust either one of them, really. And so it's all, you know, all I can do is, like, run my own workloads. And but at least, at least Amazon's selling you, hey, go test it yourself. Here's yeah. the benchmark. It's open source. It's available. Mm-hmm. You can see how mm-hmm. it works. Versus, it does make me, yeah, sort of believe their numbers a little bit more. It does. It does feel like that. But, uh, you know. Again, do your own testing. Do you, do you think the reality is that actually the performance is going to be very comparable between the two? Or do you really think that Amazon's uh, testing was uh, as impartial as they say? It's probably closer to parity. I mean, like even even like the IOPS thing and you know some of that, like, yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, there are some configurations here that I don't know how I would do like this uh, uh, cache blob object thing. I mean, like there are things that Microsoft has that you can't get in Azure, or I'm sorry, in AWS. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I suspect it's more apples to apples than they want to make it believe. These performance tests are always so not real world scenarios that I always find it very funny. Like, you know, yes, you tune all the knobs here. You tune it. You specifically tune everything in this direction for this cloud provider versus this this direction for this other cloud provider. You're going to get very different numbers. But in reality, for people doing, 
you know, applications and, and general application performance. They're not going to be setting all these random things and they're just going to be like wanting, they just sort of want it to work. And uh, I think the performance would be very comparable across the two. You'd think so, right? I mean, the, the, the underlying hardware is Intel hardware and the, the underlying software is Microsoft software. And um, I, I know that there, there can't be that many differences between the two that would make such a significant difference in performance, but... Uh, I guess somebody took some um, some cues from Volkswagen in their uh, benchmarking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do I do hope that Google releases an article not so fast. AWS and Azure, yeah. we're the fastest. Fast, fast. Yeah. That'd be even better. So I, I will keep an eye out for that. And if Google's out there, uh, do do that because that'd be hilarious. Yeah. I would love that. That would be yeah. great. Uh, well, if you uh, were using Microsoft Teams uh, the other morning, uh, you were not teaming it up because uh, they were down for about three hours. Uh, apparently, they uh, had an SSL certificate expiring. So apparently, Amazon isn't the only one that has SSL certificates expire. But apparently, this one uh, was in the SSL authentication uh, for Teams. The issue started around 6 a.m. Pacific time uh, that users weren't able to access uh, Teams and their updates. They said an hour later, the company uh, had identified that the authentication certificate had expired uh, and then took another hour for them to roll out a fix to their fleet of servers uh, and then users soon reported that things were much, much better. Uh, and there's another quote here from Holger Mueller over Constellation Research. It's never good when the cloud goes down, especially when it's caused by one of the most basic IT mechanisms, namely an expired SSL certificate. The problem for Microsoft is that this isn't the first time its cloud products have been hampered due to SSL issues. This will mean that questions around both its automation and control procedures should be a little bit more critical. Well, thanks. Thanks for that, Holger. All I have yeah. to say is uh, hug ops. Uh, as a guy who fights those things, <laughs> it's it's harder than it looks, people. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's that sucks. It does suck when it's something so basic. It does suck when it's you because you just feel that much worse about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, these things do get, you know, they proliferate and it's hard to keep track of them all. It's a bummer. I remember when they let their hotmail.com domain expire and some very kind person renewed it for them. <laughs> I cannot believe they got that. <laughs> that that would have been uh, that would have been hilarious. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, that's what happens when you take your system and move it to Windows. Most large organizations run six or even more monitoring tools. Each of them uses a mixture of data collection techniques from technology providers, open source communities, or custom integrations. And maintaining dozens of integrations across these tools can be a significant investment. Blue Medora introduces Bindplane. Not another monitoring platform, but the industry's first monitoring integration as a service. Bindplane can gather data from over 150 technology data sources spanning your entire organization. Remove or reduce your reliance on expensive monitoring and SIM solutions by sending log data to Google Stackdriver, New Relic or Azure Monitor. Check out the extensive list of integrations all provided at no additional cost. Learn more and sign up for a free trial by visiting bluemedora.com cloudpod. The link's available in our show notes, and as a bonus for CloudPod listeners, Blue Medora are offering Google Compute Platform credits to help get you started. Buy and Plane. Seamlessly stream hybrid cloud and on-premise metric and log data. Well, moving on to uh, Google. Hey, so um, you know, last April, Jonathan, here on this very show, <laughs> predicted that Google would unify the messaging platforms at Google Next. I did. And we yep. left Google Next disappointed and sad that we still had Hangouts and Hangouts Chat and Drive and Gmail. Uh, but apparently this article says that they are working on a unification. So uh, this is, comes from the information. Uh, and they claim that the Google is working on yet another messaging app. The GC team is doing it. Uh, it'll be a mobile app that brings the functionality of uh, Gmail, Drive, Hangouts Chat, and Hangouts Meet, potentially as a competitor to Slack or Teams. Uh, and I guess this means that Killed by Google, the, the really great Twitter account out there, will get a lot of new products that are being killed, either this new messaging system or a lot of old messaging systems. Uh, but uh, this is probably most likely going to be announced at Google I.O. in May uh, or maybe Google Next in April. It uh, really depends which one gets here first, but uh, definitely interesting to see what uh, what happens here if this Jonathan's long-awaited dream yeah. is coming true. I, I got two things to say about this. Number one is I can't help that they just didn't deliver on time. <laughs> Number two is that sounds really awfully like uh, Google Wave. <laughs> it does sound a little that bit like they Google killed Wave, already. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that I want Gmail and Drive in my chat app. 
Um, I mean, I don't, oh, I don't know. We understand some of the play. Unifying Hangouts and chat and, and maybe Google video, like I sort of get, but. Yeah. Messaging yeah. is messaging. It's either offline messaging or it's online messaging. And if you're not there to get a Slack message, they know then it's offline messaging, even though it's a real-time messaging platform. So it, it kind of makes sense that you aggregate. You know, They're not saying that there's, there's only one way that you send messages. What they're saying is they're going to aggregate all this stuff together in one place so that you can get online and offline messaging and online and offline files in one place. Well, that's that what we cool. assume they're saying. But we have no idea this is Google. I mean... Wave, which I haven't heard that name in a long time, is, uh, is a was a fantastically weird product that no one knew what to do with. I was so excited to sign up for that beta, and then then I used it for five minutes. I'm like, this is shit. <laughs> Forming a podcast with a whole bunch of jaded bats is, is going to be hard on the advertising. Yeah. It might be. You never know. Well, maybe maybe uh, we need to like go for like Prozac. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the sad part is that Google didn't really do much this last week. Uh, news was light for Google. So it seems like all the cloud providers are a little light. Like, I'm I'm fairly certain Amazon was behind the Super Bowl, like, you know, wave because they didn't do anything until right after yeah. all that happened. So like they, they were getting, they, they were doing all that work gun. for the NFL of all those uh, player stats. You know what? I, so so I will tell you something. This is the first year I've been living in the U.S. for ten years at least. Just don't tell the immigration people. It's a little more than that, but whatever. <laughs> and and this is the first year I've sat down and watched the Super Bowl start to finish. I watched the whole game. I watched all the ads. I watched everything else. And I was really disappointed that that the Amazon uh, or the AWS um, like you know next gen player stats thing didn't have a more prominent um, uh, feature in the whole thing. It was kind of promised as being you know way better and all this all this machine learning. Well, I mean, it stuff, was right? it was only announced like. Was that four or five episodes back? It wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but but you, you would think that they were, when they announced it, it was it was ready to go, right? But I only saw it a couple of times. I mean, maybe. Like, it, was, it was kind of maybe it's kind of lame. Uh, well, I mean, overall, the commercials this year at the Super Bowl were lame in general. Like it was probably the worst year of Super Bowl commercials I can remember in a long time. I especially like the the one that made the uh, you know fifty million people cry. You know the, the the Google. Oh, the Google one. Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was a great ad. Like they definitely pulled the emotional heartstrings of you know your. You're old and you have Alzheimer's, and Google will help you remember for that. I behave as the Chiefs won, so I was happy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Back off this rat hole. Not uh, yeah. Oracle. Oracle. Wait, wait, wait. How did Oracle get in the show notes? Oh, wait. they got here because they announced five new regions. Five, all, five new regions. Apparently, apparently all up and running. Uh, Are and they up to uh, five now? Oh, no. They have way more than that. I mean, it Six. only takes a, it only takes a shoebox to make a data set. Well, it's a closet. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, they are up to twenty one regions now, uh, and on track to expand to thirty six by the end of the year. We gotta we gotta reach out to Max. We gotta we gotta talk to him. But uh, the interesting about this these five regions is uh, they opened one of them in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, which is the first cloud provider to uh, open in Saudi in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is a kind of a big deal for that country. Uh, the other regions that they opened were Melbourne. Osaka, Montreal, and Amsterdam. And Ian, who was here last week, was talking about BCP options in Australia. And hey, he's got a brand new one in Melbourne. So you're welcome, Ian. <laughs> All right. Well, that is that is it for our main show topics. Let's move on to the lightning round. You want me to 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 uh, MC the lightning round this this week? Yes, yes, that'd be great. Okay. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I, we never had a ghost. We never had a guest. Um, MC the lightning round before that. That'd be a first. We haven't. If, now, if I'd known, I would have sent Ryan all my uh, my funny things to say about all these th- <laughs> all these <laughs> things that I know he hasn't read yet. But I'm I'm, I'm hoping he's going to pull through and win the point. <laughs> I I am going to disappoint you. <laughs> all right, open open Slack really quick. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we start the lightning round with new support for network security group flow logs, a feature of Azure Network Watcher. But who watches The Watcher? Mm. Hey, I watched The Watchmen. It was good. Okay. <laughs> I, I've tried. So, like the series or the movie? The series, the new one. The just I haven't seen the series. I, I tried. To, oh, I, oh, it's good. I've tried to watch. I tried to watch the movie. I think I fall asleep after about twenty minutes every time. The the movie is pretty awful, especially if you read the comic books. But the TV series is set uh, like thirty years after the comic books, and it's the same universe. So nothing has changed other than it's thirty years in the future. It's great. You'll like it. Uh-huh. Check it so out. After, after the tedious movie's finished, that's great. I may I give that a go. 
Azure DevOps release and pipelines events are now available in the audit logs. Oh, so now we can sell, see that Ryan uh, pushed 25 times to production and mm -hmm. put that yeah. in the pipeline. Yeah, so cool. he broke the build. Yeah, no, he broke many, the build many again. times. It's an audit log. He broke the build. Mm -hmm. He broke the build. Oh, maybe it worked. No, he broke the build. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. At least I don't have uh, like get events in the audit logs. Corrected typo. Corrected typo. It's going to work this time, I promise. <laughs> Till it slowly degrades to swear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. my god. You should see my. You should see my pull request or my my commit messages as like you know my first one's really nice and like very detailed. I'm like yes, commit. Yeah. And then like it blows up in the build pipeline. I'm like ugh. Yeah. Then I figure out what it is and I write like okay, I fixed this file. Blah blah blah. And then like the fifth time, I'm like I hope it just works like i don't care uh the editing i'm gonna have to do in this episode is gonna be, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be rough. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that's gonna be amazing azure site recovery now supports customer managed keys hey, you're still skipping one yeah Go back. You're, you're you're screwing up justin and i's ocd we like cassandra we're just talking about cassandra this one i have nothing to say about cassandra but you didn't talk about cassandra <laughs> <laughs> does it matter which order i do them in uh, kind, kind of, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My OCD no. can't handle that. All right, genre. okay, okay. This, this is harder than it looks. Seriously, I know I, it, it's, it's difficult. This is why I'm going to. How do you feel? How do you think I feel going through all the other show topics? And I have to summarize them. I have to like. I had to keep you guys on track. All I'm asking you is read a headline. I've, 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 I've got a mental block about this thing because they're missing a comma in the title. <laughs> right? It's Amazon. You gotta think, you gotta, Amazon. You gotta think of, Go on, keep interrupting me. Go on, keep interrupting. <laughs> Amazon Managed Cassandra Service now supports ordering clauses. No, that's terrible. I'm going to start that again. <laughs> you have to remember these are headlines. They're head. They're Azure Site Recovery now supports customer managed keys. No, it's, it's, there, there needs to be that ordering Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> that's all right. I already went there. <laughs> It's missing a comma, I'll tell you. Amazon Managed Cassandra Service now supports ordering clauses in CQL clear queries and AWS CloudTrail logging. So it does not support ordering clauses in AWS CloudTrail logging. It's missing a comma. It's called the Oxford comma. All right, well, send a, send a tweet to Jeff Barr about it later. I will. Um, well, you know, I, I have to say that after I read this article from Grafana Labs about their 23-hour outage, 23 outage on GCP due to... Uh, GCP's persistent disk issue, and then that led into a Cassandra disaster. Uh, I don't ever want to manage Cassandra, so yes, thank you for this. I hope CQL queries are important and something I need. Uh, but also, why did they call them SQL, CQL, and SQL? Like, was that how supposed, am I to, be supposed a, to pronounce that? Yeah, like how do you tell them apart in conversation? <laughs> like that is a terrible choice. <laughs> yeah, like start like okay, like yeah, like. I, SQL's already taken. This isn't fair. So now I have to like come up with vowels to throw in there for no reason. Mm. Like this is Kalkal. I don't know. Mm. Like, I don't know. That's not good. I'm not going with SQL. It's Cassandra. What else should they call it? I don't know. Cassandra query language? I don't know. Let's let's abbreviate that. Do, we, too, do uh, we really need a three letter term? Like we Well, I mean if it was the New York Times dog guy, it'd be C dot Q dot L dot or dot if it's Cassandra query language. They need to find a new uh, TLA for that, a uh, three letter acronym. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on. Azure Site Recovery now supports customer managed keys. I okay. <laughs> Wasn't isn't one of Azure's big plays is that you can DR to the Azure cloud really easily, and so wouldn't you need to have supported this to actually do any DR for any regulated company ever? Azure Service Fabric seven point zero second refresh release. Okay, so this is where we really scrape the bottom of the barrel for Azure stuff. But I was annoyed and put this in the show notes because. 7.0 is a release. A second refresh release should be 7.0.1. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why this is here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Learn versioning. Semantic versioning, please. Sweet Jesus. Microsoft. We're going to start having a teaching class. This is getting ridiculous. People screwing this up. Like, I don't think it's that hard, but maybe, maybe we're not all in consensus. Like, I thought we were all in consensus. But maybe as an industry, we're all off. We just think we're right. They've ridden that whole SP1, SP2 wave for way too long. 
Well, they also have so they so they have SPs and then they have uh, cumulative updates. So the CUs, which they do on like SQL Server, and now they have refresh builds. Like, come on, Microsoft. Amazon Redshift now supports per second billing. I mean, it takes at least five minutes to spin up the Redshift cluster. So I guess I'm happy about this. <laughs> I can now spend more money than I should have on my query, but I will have much more granular insights to how much I've spent. Nice. Very true. Amazon Polly launches brand voice. Ah, uh, Jonathan, we're one. We're that much closer to retirement where we just have Polly take care of the podcast for us. We could do that. Yeah. It, now we can make it your voice and my voice and Peter's voice and maybe Ryan's voice too. And we just write it out in words and make it Polly read it out to everybody. Who knows the difference? I was actually really excited about the um, Adobe Voco thing they demoed years ago. It was like three, four, maybe even five years ago now. I don't know. It was a long time where they, they took uh, samples of a, of a comedian's voice and then basically typed new texts in, new sentences and everything, and it just spoke it in his voice. And I, I think somebody squashed that, whether it was, uh, whether it was like a, a government squash or whether it was something else, where they just decided it was just going to be bad for the world to be able to simulate anybody's voice. I don't know, but that, that product just disappeared off the face of the earth. You lost me at Adobe. So. It, was, uh, it was an amazing demo. Either it was completely faked, which is possible, or it was so good that, that somebody said, do not ever release this. All right. Well, I'm going to go with it never worked. Most likely. <laughs> because somebody else would have reproduced that by now, for sure. AWS Storage Gateway is now available on Linux KVM hypervisors. So, wait, like, doesn't part of Amazon's cloud run on KVM? I, mean, I know the Nitro stuff doesn't, but the older stuff, like C3s and C2s, were all KVM. And I was pretty sure Storage Gateway worked on those. <laughs> so, what exactly is this? Wasn't that Zen? I thought they always ran on Zen. Did they run on KVM? I thought they did. I thought they pivoted from Zen to KVM, or I don't know. Who knows what they're doing? I don't know. Anyways, I, 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 I kind of assume this is like you can run your you can run their storage gateway if you're running KVM virtualization in your own data. Like, center. how hard was it to just take a VMware, or whatever <laughs> they they were probably giving you an OVF, and you just convert the OVF to KVM? Like, why does that have to be native? I don't get it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Amazon Translate is now FedRAMP compliant. I guess for all your translators in the Middle East, it's well, it's got to it's got to translate all the 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 business you know acronyms and the government acronyms. That's really what that is. I think. It's for all your interrogation needs. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's what, that's where I was yep. going. But, you know, Ryan's a little Ryan's a little. I went I went a completely different way because apparently I'm the optimist, which is terrifying. <laughs> and finally. AWS RoboMaker supports pseudo access inside the robot and simulation applications at runtime. You know, pseudo was, kill all humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was all fine until you gave the robot pseudo access and then he deleted the all the files. I actually tweeted about this when I saw this because I thought it was funny. And I actually used uh, Bender with a kill all the humans as my, oh, did you? As my photo <laughs> on Twitter for that. Yeah, that was funny that you used that. Yeah, for its sake. <laughs> Ah, uh, well, now that we reached, uh, are we are we scoring this week? Uh, we, we, we are going to yeah. score this week because I think you deserve the point for who watches the watcher. Well, wow, you didn't you didn't like it when I said it, so I did secretly. It was just a you know a slightly passive aggressive oh, way of admitting defeat. <laughs> you're just, admitting, you're just mad that I'm not tying admitting you, defeat. Yeah. I mean, so if I if I'd been Peter, I would have awarded the point to myself for the uh, the interrogation needs. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, but I didn't. That was pretty yeah. good. Uh, well, uh, apparently Ryan is very active on Twitter as usual because uh, he had he didn't see my Bender joke, uh, but he's at thirteen followers. And if we 13, can get I know. if we can get him to fifteen, we're gonna go low. If we can get him to fifteen for the next by the next time Ryan guest hosts, uh, we'll consider that a success. So if you're out there on yeah. Twitter and you're looking for someone who doesn't tweet to follow, Ryan is your guy, <laughs> and you should do that. And we'll see if we can get him up above 15. Oh, uh, th th yeah. this is starting to sound like a, a public radio, like, <laughs> begging for money kind of thing. Like, please. <laughs> I mean, please. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to give you it. I mean, okay, okay, yeah. here's the deal. If you follow Ryan, I will send, and you DM me that you followed him with a screenshot, I will send you a Cloudpot sticker. How's that? Then it, now and now we're very NPR. I've done it, and I, and if and you know and if you don't, we'll just continue pleading for help for the last five minutes of the podcast. Until that's right. But but hey, it's it's it's, it's a time limited offer. 
Oh, okay. I do need. I do need to limit this then. I, uh, you know, until like April of twenty twenty, and then I won't send any stickers anymore. Uh, but you mean we we know by the statistics that most of you turn out at the lightning round anyways, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we're going to revamp the lightning round, but that's our future week, and uh, that's it then. All right, well, guys. Uh, well, Jonathan, anything you, know, you want to add, or anything you're looking forward to in the next couple weeks? I am looking forward to going to bed. To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing that as well. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to Peter coming back next week. I, uh, a, I want to know if he has coronavirus because that would be horrible. Uh, but I, I'm sure that it was a very interesting trip to Asia. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, I think so. He'll share yeah. with us next is week. Is he going to bring us back some Japanese whiskey, you think? Or is he, uh, is he not? Uh, he probably he probably will. I mean, we had to go to him to get it, though, and he's in the city. So that's, that's difficult. Yeah. And he'll have the coronavirus. So Yeah, it's like a double weird. whammy. Yeah, like, but it is whiskey, so maybe worth it. Yeah, I'm actually curious about this coronavirus when it starts impacting um, supply chain for servers, because it's only a matter of time. Because these factories are being shut down like crazy right now, it's, it's actually a pretty bad situation. So, I've definitely seen uh, cases where it has impacted supply chain, not of servers specifically, but for other other soft goods. <laughs> well, yeah, we were we were trying to buy hoodies, and uh, apparently we can't get hoodies because they come from a, ch- a manufacturer in China, and that that place is closed down. So, well, uh, that's it for this week in cloud, then I guess. Ending on a high note, as usual. Oh, yeah. Positivity. <laughs> well, thank you, Ryan. We do appreciate it, as always, uh, for you to come out here on the show. And for those of who you who are going to get that sticker, what's the uh, Twitter handle to follow for uh, you? R-Y-R-O-N-0-1. All right. We'll see it. Yeah. 15. 15 by next time. We'll see if we get we'll there. see if we haven't. And we'll make sure the, we'll make sure the Pottery Trick guys put it in the show notes, too. And that'll be uh, an extra bonus. Great. <laughs> <laughs> The pressure, Brian. You're gonna feel the pressure. There'll be no obligation to commute to contribute back to this community at all. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you always join us on our Slack. You can always join us on the Slack team too, and we always enjoy that as well. And Ryan hangs out on our Slack team, so I do. I do enjoy hanging out on Slack. uh, You can comment on his handlebar mustache thing that's going on in his Twitter photo too, if you like. Yeah, that is. Yeah, Uh, it reminds me of that. There's a movie. uh, There's a movie with uh, police officers in Canada, which I'm afraid of the name at this moment, which is. Sacks. Oh, super troopers. Reminds yeah. me of super troopers. Like you just need the yep. hat and you'd be totally super trooping it up. No, it's a, it, it was inspired by super troopers. I mean, it was a, it was a Movember type scenario thing. That was my submission for, for pledging was that, but yeah, it was definitely going for the super troopers vibe in that picture. Yeah. I mean, it, it may be that people have tried to follow you, but they just can't get past that photo. That know. that's a fair criticism. That is a, it's a terrible photo to look at. All right, guys. Well, you have a great week. Rest of your week. Uh, we will see you all next week. Well, Ryan, maybe see if Peter has a coronavirus. If he does, yeah. you're totally guest hosting. Yeah. <laughs> you're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> so we will uh, we'll catch you all next week on the Cloud Pod. Goodbye. Adios. Sayonara. And that is the Week in Cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting and Blue Medora. Check out our website, the home of the CloudPod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net, or tweet us at hashtag thecloudpod. Mm-hmm.